The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. The following program is a PodcastOne.com production. He's a world champion wrestler, best-selling author, actor, and lead singer of Fozzie. Now, now he's rocking the podcast world. Nanu, nanu, shazma. This, this, this is Talk is Jericho. Talk is Jericho, starring Chris Jericho. Welcome to Talk is Jericho, the pot of thunder and rock and roll. The spell you run now has been broken by Chris Jericho. Good morning, Vietnam! That's right, Robin Williams, energy level. We're going to keep it high today because the People's Podcast has arrived. Let's go for a ride. Talk is Jericho, baby. Talk is Jericho. Talk is Jericho, mama, talk is Jericho, if you want to know who's on my show, I hope you're not annoyed, I say yeah boy, woo, and guess what, it's Friday, it's What a day today! Welcome, Jerichoholics. How in the hell are you? Part two today of my conversation with Triple H is coming up. You don't want to miss it. We're going to talk the Monday Night Wars. We're going to talk about The Rock. We're going to talk about the personal heat between Triple H and myself back in the early days of my uh, WWE career. So much to talk about. But first, I want you to thank you for supporting my show and for supporting my sponsors. I want you to go to podcastone.com, click on the Keep Our Podcasts Free banner at the top of the page, then hit the Talk is Jericho button. All of my amazing links are there as well. Amazon USA, Amazon UK, and Amazon Canada, eh? It's the easiest way to support the show. Amazon gives a small percentage of your purchase back to the show to help us cover production costs and all that fine stuff. And if you haven't gotten your copy of the new Fozzie record, Do You Want to Start a War? Get it right now on Amazon for only $5.99. I mean, come on. Amazon's offering a special deal on Do You Want to Start a War for $5.99. If you're going to do that, use my Amazon links to get it. Go to podcastone.com. Click on the Keep Our Podcasts Free banner at the top of the page 
then hit Talk is Jericho button. Once again, you can find Do You Want to Start a War on Amazon for $5.99. Have you heard the record yet? Huh? Have you heard the songs I've been playing? I'm going to play another tune for you, uh, one that people really dig. It's kind of one of the hits from the record that hasn't been a single yet. It's a cover from the 70s, ABBA, SOS, but we just tore it apart, rearranged it, and it's going to blow your head off. Here you go, some Fozzie right here on TIJ. Where are those happy days? They seem so hard to find. I tried to reach for you, but you have closed your mind. Whatever happened to our love, I wish I understood. It used to be so nice, it used to be so good. on the Twitter at Talk is Jericho at Fozzie Rock. If you liked it, go check it out. Go buy it on Amazon for $5.99 and do it through my banner. Thank you for supporting the show and supporting my sponsors. I love hanging out with you guys twice a week. It's why I do this. It's why I enjoy doing this. Uh, had a pretty crazy week. Uh, last couple of weeks, of course, with the passing of Robin Williams. And then today, um, this week, with the passing of Joan Rivers. 81 years old. I think she pretty much died of natural causes. 
Talk about a pioneer. She was one of the first women comedians to kind of break into the scene and one of the first women comedians to ever do stand-up on The Tonight Show. She had a really um, very abrasive manner about her, very self-effacing, said that she was a fatty when she was a kid. She used that quite often. She became the permanent guest host for Johnny Carson on The Tonight Show, which by uh, that time was a huge, huge deal. Johnny Carson had a lot of pull those days. So just to get on Carson and have him praise you was a big deal. But to have him bring you aboard as a guest host was beyond incredible. As you know, if you listen to the Howie Mandel episode of this podcast, we talk quite a a bit about his experiences on The Tonight Show. It's funny, uh, Joan fell out of favor with Carson because she left his show to take an offer to do a show of her own and things were never ever the same between her and Johnny after that happened. I too have an issue with Joan Rivers or I did much respect to her and I definitely appreciate what she did. But the one meeting I had with her, she was not uh, my friend, shall we say. If you've read Undisputed, my second book, not to be confused with The Best in the World at What I Have No Idea, which comes out October 14th, uh, just a few weeks from now. This is in my second book, Undisputed, How to Win the World Champion in 1,372 Easy Steps. I was at home in Tampa getting ready to see Paul McCartney. He was playing at the Tampa Arena. I hadn't seen him in a while. My friend Spiwi was coming down. My friend Ribo was coming down. We were all going to go. My wise cousin Chad was going to come down, and we were all going to go check out McCartney together. About literally two days before the show, I get a call from the TV Guide channel. They want me to come to the Emmys to do the red carpet with Joan Rivers and Melissa Rivers. They were fashion consultants. They would comment on the fashions that the stars were wearing, good, bad, indifferent, whatever. And they decided, I guess TV Guide Channel decided they wanted a male presence. Somehow my name got to them. They liked me. They gave me the offer. I said, I can't make it. I've got friends coming in. I'm going to Paul McCartney. I just can't do it. And they said, please, 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 please. We'll fly you out that morning. We'll fly you home on the red eye that night. You'll be back in time for, uh, for, I think McCartney was on a Saturday and the Emmys were on a Sunday and my friends were staying until Monday or Tuesday. It was kind of a long weekend type thing. So we saw McCartney and I was going to have to leave my friends, you know, um, at my house by, by themselves while I went to LA. They wouldn't stop pushing. They kept increasing the offer. First class air travel, you know, amazing day room, tuxedo rental, free shades. I think it was like, I don't know, a thousand bucks or something for the day. More importantly, there's some exposure, of course, outside of wrestling on the TV Guide Network on the carpet of the of the Emmys with Joan and Melissa Rivers. I said, I can't turn this down after trying to many, many times. They finally brought me in. So I flew out that morning. I got there. Now, going to the Emmys was like trying to get into Fort Knox. You had to maneuver through all of these guards and show your passport and show your credentials and show more credentials and more credentials. So it was a long, arduous process to get in. I got in, um, got there really early, and they kind of prepped me and debriefed me and said, okay, you're going to stand here with the microphone. Joan's going to kick off the show, and after about 10 minutes, she's going to pitch it over to you. And then you'll take over and she'll keep pitching it over to you and keep throwing it to you throughout. When she does, find some celebrities, ask them what they're wearing and and react accordingly. So I was cool with that. I thought that's fine. I'd be able to, you know, improv with everybody here. And it was, of course, the Emmys. It's huge. 
but I was told I couldn't stand on the actual Emmy walkway. I had to stand on the little piece of turf, my little piece of turf that was designated to me that was off of like the red carpet area. And if I stepped off it, there'd be a big bounce. Go, hey, babe, step back on your turf. Okay. So, um, show starts and I'm standing there and I'm waiting to get pitched to, and I see a bunch of people, you know, all the people are there. Was, you know, Dennis Leary was there who I'd known from the, uh, Christopher Reeve super skates that I played. in. I think he kind of big leagued me and kind of said hi, but didn't really act like he knew me when I was like, Hey brother. Then David Boreanaz, same thing. He just completely dead asked me. <laughs> so after about 30 minutes, I'm sitting there like, when is Joan going to pitch to me? And now I'm starting to get mad. And after 40 minutes, I realized she's not going to pitch to me. Like, I'm never going to get the call for this show. Meanwhile, I'm standing there and I'm on camera. So my cousin and my wife and everybody's watching at home and they see me standing in the background like a moron, but they never pitch to me. And then I just start laughing. I see Ricky Gervais. He's got that big shark smile, you know, that big, uh, you know, hello, baby, or whatever he says. <laughs> it's kind of Austin Powers, but uh, you know what I'm talking about. And I saw him, he looked at me, he said, cheer up, mate, or something like that. And I was just like, you know how, this is just funny. I'm just going to enjoy myself here on the red carpet at the Emmys. So finally the show ends. I go backstage afterwards and I'm just, I'm pissed off now. Like I'm really angry. Like what the hell? I wasted my time. You know, what was the, what kind of excuse could they give me? So the producer comes up to me and he's like, I'm so sorry, you know, um, Joan wouldn't pitch to you. I go, what do you mean? She's like, she wouldn't pitch you. I kept saying, okay, throw it to Jericho, but she never would. And I found out that Joan and Melissa were not happy that I was there uh, and decided just to basically shut me out and said, you know, F you to TV guide, F off. What are you going to do? This is our show. You're going to fire us if we don't pitch to this idiot kid, you know, or whatever I was, you know, idiot mid-30s guy. And then... um, Lo and behold, I'm standing there and Joan Rivers walks over and she's like, oh my God, I, I who is this handsome guy? I saw you standing there the whole time. You know, I didn't know what was going on. I just couldn't believe how handsome you were and, and nobody ever told me to pitch you. I just found out now that I was supposed to pitch to you and nobody ever told me. And I'm thinking to myself, you are so full of shit, lady. You know, I mean, I already know the story, so don't like, you know, build it up like that. And I'm just looking at her, and of course she had a lot of plastic surgery done. And you could just see it up close. They're just like, ah, I just want to, I just want to pie face her. I was just so mad. And then she's like, let me, listen, let me tell you, I feel so bad. Let me tell you what I'm going to do. Let me give you my assistant's card. Well, uh, I'll have him send you some autograph pictures. And if you ever on, uh, if you ever need me to come on Raw and support you on on WWE, just give me a call, and we'll work something out, and I'll come back you up, okay? And I was just like, okay, lady. And I was like, wow, the gall. She didn't pitch to me. She totally uh, uh, shut me out of the show and then offered to mail me some autographed pictures and offered to appear on Raw, which had about 10 times the amount of viewers that her stupid TV guy show had. And that was her payoff to try and placate me for not uh, ever pitching to me during the Emmys red carpet celebration ceremony so there you go so joan rivers much respect uh respect everything she did but my experiences with her was a big jericho raspberry that's what i think of joan rivers on that day at the uh red carpet tv guide emmy awards now other than that i'm sure she was a fine lady i'm sure a lot of people will tell you that every other day of her life she was great but on that day 
I was not the biggest Joan Rivers fan. But hey, rest in peace, Joan Rivers, a true show business icon, a pioneer, and a very, very funny lady. No doubt about that. Speaking of funny, uh, in the first part of the Triple H show, he mentioned that his very first interview was on WCW with a drunken Gordon Soley and how he was using a really bad French accent. Well, someone hit me up on the Twitter at I am Jericho and sent me the, the link to this. And I want to play it for you guys because this accent is freaking awful. It's so bad. It, it sounds like Hunter now talking in a funny voice to make you laugh as part of a joke. But this was his serious French voice. It kind of almost sounds Arabic or Spanish or like Manuel from Faulty Towers. Check it out. All right. Well, I'll tell you what. Not a very popular victory over this young man just now. Gordon Soli, let me start by apologizing to all the people here today because I know the men, they see the look in the eyes of the women when John Paul walks into the building. They fall to the ground. They fall to their knees in awe of John Paul. Oh, come on. Now, let me ask you a question. I understand your background. I understand your expertise. What is your actual purpose for being here in the United States? Gordon, I have had everything in my life. I have had the best education, all the money. I have had every woman I have ever wanted. But the one thing that I have never had is a championship. And that is why I am here to be the world champion of WCW. And if it is Hulk Hogan, I will take whoever it is in the way of you to become the world champion. Whatever step I have to take, I will take it to become the greatest of all time. Well, now a question in this regard. You're talking about you would like to become the world champion. I can understand that. But Steve Austin is U.S. heavyweight champion. Lord Steven Regal, the world TV champion. You've got a lot of champions to go through if you want to get to somebody like Hulk Hogan. It does not matter to John Paul who is champion. Whatever step I have to take, I will take them all on. I do not care. Everyone I will take on to get the championship that I want. There you have it. The comments from Jean-Paul. <laughs> I just think it's a little bit Gordon Soli. He sounds like a, like a little chica, like a charo. I'm going on the love boat. I'm happy to be here, Mr. Rock. I know Mr. Rourke's Fantasy Island, but they were always on Love Boat and Fantasy Island. Great, great accent, but another great part two coming up right now for all of you. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Talk is Jericho. All right, sitting here with Triple H backstage at SummerSlam in the Staples Center. Let's talk about the Monday Night Wars. I mean, how, how uh, big of a blow was it when Scott and Kevin left uh, and when Hogan showed up and the whole NWO thing started? You know, it's funny. We didn't realize it. At the time, it was like those guys were leaving. We did the curtain call thing. It was like buddy system. 
Yeah, Madison Square Garden, all four of you came to the ring. You yeah. and baby faces together yeah, and saying goodbye. And Vince knew about it. It became bigger than it was when we got out there, and Vince knew about it. And when we came back, he even asked Sean, like, that means something to you? And Sean said, yeah. And he said, then I'm okay with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then everybody came down on people. him, and, right? Yeah. And then it came down on me. But Oh, yeah, you took the heat for it, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, um, like, it was just what was going on. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, it was like, yeah, those guys went there. And, like, you know, Luger jumped ship middle of the night. All of a sudden, like, I was with, like, me, Kevin, Luger were in the pool one day at the hotel. And, like, the next day, Luger was on TV. I was like, yeah, he's in WCW. I thought yeah. I saw him this morning. Kevin's like, no, that was yesterday. I'm like, holy cow. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, it, it was, like, all this crazy stuff going on. And then, you know, our product was changing. And we knew somewhere inside you, you knew, like, Holy cow, these guys, this is a good show, but it was competitive of like, mm-hmm. yeah, well, then we're going to put on a better show. And yeah. You, I don't know, as much as you thought about it, like, there was no choice. It just, once you made that decision of like, yeah, listen, if we don't step this up, we're going to go out of business. So mm-hmm. like, and then we never thought about it again. It was just go. And then it became very territorial. Oh, yeah. You know, and, and very like, you know, like, even like when you came in, oh, it, yeah. it, it was, it was, um, because you were in the trenches, and it mm-hmm. was a war, and it, it as much as we would watch the show and all that stuff, and if we'd see guys in the airport, it was like, oh, yeah, this is the boys, mm-hmm. like, and hey, yeah, and all that stuff, and, and Kevin and Scott and I, we still had great relationships, but like, there was like, well, we ain't losing to them. Yeah. And then it was us against them, and then when some new guy would come in, like, I can't come in here jumping in our shit. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, totally. And, and, um, and, and that was... I think hard for everybody if, you know, looking back on it, if we'd have been smart, we'd have embraced all mm-hmm. that stuff. But also, too, we'd also been hit with the, with the like, hey, they stole Kevin and Scott, so we got Mark Merrow. You know what I mean? And, <laughs> yeah. and like, oh, uh, geez. Okay. The, you know, and then every, we, like we all got stuck working with them. We're like, oh, my God. <laughs> like, geez, we're getting the short end of the stick on this. So you never knew, like, are mm-hmm. we getting, like what are we getting? And, yeah, you know, yeah. like, and then, like, is this really going to work out? And yeah, yeah, just. But it was real. I mean, people talk Absolutely. about it, but I mean, it was a, a golden era for wrestling, yes. for the fans, for the boys. But yep. it was the, like you said, it was the real deal: WCW versus WWE. Yes. And some of us didn't want to be on that side, but you still were by proxy, you know. Yeah, and 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 even if you like, for you, even if you were over there thinking like, man, if I could just get out of here and go, over yeah. There. But we didn't see it that way. Yeah, you're like, we saw it as this guy is this guy is WCW all the way, and he, something happened, he got fired, <laughs> and now he's over here thinking he's just going to jump on our yeah. on our tail. Like, yeah. No, you know, and and um, and that's it's there's so much emotion when you're in that heat of that battle yeah, and, yeah. and in that war and and I mentioned this I've it's funny I've I don't know if you and I have had this conversation per se but I've had it a little bit with Steve I had it big time with Rock a little while ago I think I might have had a, a touch of it with Foley is it's so it was so awesome it was so hard and intense and we were all so competitive which is what made it so good but you also didn't know how good you had it yeah. Like how good it was. Like I had no idea working with Austin every night how much fun. It, it, I knew it was fun and I knew it was awesome and I knew the buildings were sold out and I knew it was crazy and we were blowing a roof off it and it was the greatest thing that we were doing. It was also Tuesday. Yeah. And we were going to do it again on Wednesday. Yeah. That's and then right, it was going to yeah. be Thursday. And you look at all those things and these magic moments that now you look back like. And people are going like this magic iconic thing mm-hmm. or something. You sent me a text the other day about our last man standing. Fourteen match. years ago, 14 yeah. Fourteen years, yeah. But like, like, we did that. I knew it was good. Yeah, I enjoyed the crap out of it. 
I didn't know it would stand the test. Yeah. I didn't know we'd be talking about it 14 years later, you and I. I didn't know. And, and, and it was hard to even appreciate, like, God damn, Chris is so much, so good and so much fun to work with. Right. You, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, because it was that yeah. still. Like, it, it was almost, yeah, like, there was a real competition there. And uh, it, it pissed you off. Like, I was, you know, yeah. I like I knew how good you were. But it's like, I'm going to show this guy. Like, I'm going yeah, to prove it to I'm him. Prove it to him. Yeah. And, tear and, the freaking house and down, same man. for me. And then, you know, like, I, I talked about the Rock. Rock and I were just talking about this at WrestleMania. We were ta- we were talking about that exact rivalry and how intense we were with each other. Like mm-hmm. he and I got along, but we never got along. Yeah, because it, our run was like I had the IC title, he had the IC title. Like we, it just kept like we worked together for like I don't know five or years, six years. Yeah. But from Hunter Hearst Helmsley and Rocky Maivia all the way through to the Nation and DX, all the way through to everything till he left to The Rock and Triple H. Yeah. yeah. And um, and as competitive as could possibly be that whole way. Mm-hmm. And then he said the other day, like we were talking about at WrestleMania, he came out and he, and he and, um, was, we were at WrestleMania and, and uh, he just came to me and he was like, we were talking for a while and he goes, oh, hey, by the way, I saw you really looking in great shape. And he started talking about shape. I said, I got to be honest, Rock. I said, you tweet those things out like doing cardio, 4 a.m., time to go, no excuses, all that <laughs> shit. I said, in my mind, I go like, you know what? If he can do it, yeah. man, I'm gonna get up at four. How's yeah, that? And I'm gonna right, do it. Yeah. Like, still that same thing. And he said, it's so funny because when you tweet something, I feel the same way. Yeah. Like it's we still have that like, well, yeah. But you know, if Rock can do yeah. it, I'm gonna bastard. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? I it's awesome. It's like, it's, I almost think that I, you know, and, and Vince, I think that it was almost encouraged to have the guys have a little bit of not heat with each other, Absolutely. but heat. You know? Absolutely. It's it, that. Fire in your belly and yeah. that competitiveness is good. Yeah, I, I, looking back on it, they were definitely. Yeah, he said he he encouraged. Right, he encouraged I remember, those. I remember after about three months, I got called in there and he reamed me out. Man, I think I'd done something with China or whatever, and he was so mad at me. And he said, "You better go apologize to everybody in DX." I came up to you, I said, "Do I have heat?" And you were like. Nuclear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember we sat in the boxes outside yeah. the office and talked for a long time. Yeah, but. That was also probably the first real conversation yeah, I had with you. That's right, right? Because we were all—I'll speak for us—we were all so guarded. Yeah, right? right. You were an outsider, and we were also and by guarded. myself too. I had no friends Abs- when I came. Absolutely, I had no, no friends at and, all. And and you you had this unbelievable hill to climb. And then we're looking at it and going like, hey, he's cutting promos on the rock first day in. <laughs> yeah, you know I mean? who's like, this who's, guy? Thinking who's is, that yeah. idea? Right. You know what I mean? And 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 Vince's idea, but no, I, I know heat for it. Yeah, and, and and a phenomenal one, mm. right? But in our mind, we're like, hey. Yeah. Hey, we were just trying to whip this kid's ass, and now he's in here <laughs> yeah. in the top spot. No, 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 no. Yeah. Right. So, and and you know, and we're guarded with it, and we're you know, it, it just is what it is. But you you don't you, know, you don't was, know it at the time. But I think some of that yeah, was looking back on it, yes. to, to because I tell you what, it made for great TV and performances. And it made for real performances, matches. and the emotion was real and. You know, um, I, I just I saw a clip the other day, and I think you and I spoke briefly about it. I just saw a clip that somebody put up because it, it was an anniversary date mm-hmm. of that the Monday Night Raw we did, where you came out and took the title, and the, yes, and, the, and we did the fast count thing, and at the end of the show, I took it back or whatever. And I remember at that time people saying like that was the perfect show, like the mm-hmm. perfect Monday Night Raw, start to finish, and just the execution of it and all this stuff. And and um, again, one of those things like. 
you know how good it is, but like there was no like it was just another night for us. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. But yet the competitiveness of it was like screw Jericho on that. You know, like and, <laughs> and, and, and it was it was the greatest time to me for all those components to come together and just yeah. guys that were competitive with that environment and that environment bred that competitiveness and that just yeah, desire yeah, yeah. to outdo sometimes to personal irritation sometimes to you know it it, it went too like you know Sean and Brett it just went a step too far that's right that's right, right? Yeah. but that was magic mm-hmm. magic right up to the point when they started to fight in the locker room and then it was bad. Yeah. But like before that, oh my God, that storyline was. And the matches know, that they had in the ring. Yeah, and, and all that stuff because of that competitive nature. And I think there was a lot of that with us. And we were all trying to prove ourselves, especially when Kevin and Scott and all those top guys left. The guys that were here, it, it wasn't like we were all those things when, when those guys left. Mm-hmm. Austin was the ringmaster. Mm-hmm. You know, Rock was Rocky Maivia. They were chanting, die, Rocky. You know, I was trip, uh, Hunter Hearst Helmsley. Yes. Um, uh, the guy flitting around with the chicks from Playboy or whatever. You know, like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and Which is not a bad gig. No, that worked out, yeah, <laughs> for a little bit. And then, um, but so we'd all, like, it was all scrape, scratch, and claw for your spot to get there, and we were all competitive with it of, yeah. you know, how to get there. And, and for me, like, when I, you know, like when I was in DX and I saw Rock becoming the baby face behind Steve and all that stuff, and I was like, which I always gravitated towards being a heel anyways because I liked it better, but I'm like, now for me, I remember having this conversation with Billy and Dog because they, they didn't, they were like, don't. Why are you breaking DX up, man? Oh, right. Ride this thing into the ground. And uh, I was like, is this not what I want to do? Mm-hmm. Like, I, see where those guys are? That's where I'm, that's, I'm getting there. And the, and the, the there's two clogs in the top on the baby face side, so I'm getting there as a heel. Right. And I'm going to stand side by side with those three. And I'm going to work with them both. With those two. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And I'm going to be the guy, but on the other side. We need Darth Vader around this place. Yes. And that's where I wanted to go. And and. But that competitiveness of even then, man, it was just like you just, it was everything to us. Yeah. And, and to my point of the long-windedness of that is just you didn't know how awesome it was. And to step back now 20 years later, like I've said, and I'll say it to you right now, thank you for that time yeah. in our lives, man, because it was special. I agree, man. And same with Steve and Rock and Mick and Taker and Sean and all those guys. Man, we had something so special we had no idea. Because there were so many of us that were at the top of our game at that time. Absolutely. You know, there was legitimately probably 10 to 12 guys. You just mentioned five or six of them off the top of your head. You know, everybody was just at the top of our game. It, like you said, it was a golden era. And also, to the crowds. Like you mentioned when I, when I beat you for the title. If you watch that back, when I get the, when Earl counts three, that crowd loses their minds. I, I remember, you don't see that anymore. I remember that moment. Yeah. Like, that was one of those distinct. There's a few moments to me that stand out as some of the louder pops I've ever heard. One was the first time we'd ever let anybody touch China and Steve Stunder. And I don't remember where we were. I think maybe Chicago. Mm-hmm. It was a house show, like a yeah, live yeah. event. And uh, we all came back and were like, holy. <laughs> like, even Steve was like, oh, my God, that was unbelievable. <laughs> and uh, the same thing that night when we did that title switch. I remember coming out of the ring going like, holy cow. That's what it's all about. That was unbelievable. Yeah. Like, geez, I knew that was going to be good. But I didn't know it was going to be like that. They were man. so it was just a magic moment. It, yeah. yeah. And another great moment too. It's almost the match that that doesn't exist anymore because of the circumstances that happened after. But 
me and Benoit against you and Steve. Absolutely. In San Jose. I was yeah. there last night. And every time I go there, I'm yeah. like, this is where it happened. And, I, yeah. you know, like I said, we slowly gained a lot of respect for each other because we had a lot of great matches together. Absolutely. But that was the one where you tore your quad. I'm looking at the scar right now. Yeah. And I remember thinking, this dude is one of the toughest dudes I've ever been yeah. in the ring with nice. in my life. Because you finished that match with a torn quad. Yeah. You came back in the ring to make the save with the sledgehammer. You, you yeah. took a, the walls on the... I mean, that was incredible, man. I remember telling you, like, coming out, you said, oh, my God, are you okay? And I was like, absolutely not. Like, I, <laughs> yeah. I was... I, I mean, I couldn't even put weight on it. But I was like, whatever I've done, I don't think I'm going to make it any worse. So I was like, put yeah. the walls on me. And when you did, I remember turn, you, you turning me over and thinking... Really bad decision. <laughs> like, like holy. Because I tried to even keep. I mean, no, you can't you keep a leg. So I tried, but I remember saying, "Try to protect me." Yeah. But, you, but, we, should we do this? You're like, do it. And I was yeah. like, "Oh man." And and then I was like, like you. I remember you putting me down on the table. I had to go back in to do the spot. I was like, I don't know how you got. Wow. Back in. Yeah. Like, oh my god, am I going to be able to get up to the ring? And I was like, you, like you, I gotta go. Yeah. Like, I just it didn't. Really, you know how that's so fast. But right. It right. Right. Like right. It's going slow and. Um, yeah, I was just not like thinking about it, and then I remember uh, rolling to the floor and just curling up in a fetal position. Yeah, just coming out and saying, "What'd you do?" And I said, "I tore my quad," and because I felt it when it went, man, I felt it just roll up to my hip. Really? Yeah, and uh, I said, "I tore my quad." I think I tore my quad, and he said, "No way, you couldn't have. You, you couldn't have. You couldn't be walking on it." And I said, "Chris, I'm telling you," and he put his hand in there and was like wow you did this is chris the trainer yeah he yeah. could feel the feel the, the divot and stuff um yeah man it, it, that's one of those things like for me um immediately once you tell your quad you forget how good the match is and i remember i didn't see it for a long time and then uh like i don't know i was in rehab one time or something and i think the office had sent me a tape of it you know vcr tape or something. <laughs> yeah. and i remember watching it back and and like getting into the match so much that i forgot at the end i tore my quad and i went down <laughs> i was like oh oh my god i just hurt myself oh yeah I tore, you know what I mean? <laughs> like i was so with the match was so good but yes to your point four guys top of their game that just the crowd was so excited yeah. too they wanted to see us win so bad yeah. and when we did, you know, and, and just because the match was so great. And, and that was one of those times that we deserved to sit there, the four of us, with a, a beer, you know, Absolutely. toasting. And we didn't get that yeah. because we had to go into the room. And you were, I yeah. mean, it's the worst thing seeing one of your brothers on the table yeah, the after this great match. But yeah. it's like, it's not great because you got hurt. And it's like, oh, man, I just wish we would have had that it moment. Just pulls just go, the rug out from yeah, under. Yeah, yeah. It was the greatest you know? thing ever. And yeah. I, I, when I watch it back, I remember thinking that same thing, like, Oh man! Like mm -hmm. since this will sound stupid, I felt bad <laughs> watching it that day. I was—I remember distinctly sitting in my room in Birmingham, as at the Embassy Suites, and still going through my rehab and watching it back. And I felt bad, like oh man, I can't believe I robbed those guys of like oh, that feeling. Yeah, you know, like that's because that's—that's you know, what you live for. Like that's right. Back that like, magic moment. Ooh, all that. And uh, and yeah, I remember feeling bad, like oh man, I can't. Because in my mind, I remember everybody coming in the room, mm -hmm. you know, and and oh, dude, and like and everybody too. being down and a bummer, and then like in my mind, somehow I was like, that was all on me. Like I killed the whole buzz. Yeah, because <laughs> we were like, I was you like, know? oh, it's probably not. Like, what's a torn quad? Is that like four to six? It's like, no, that's about eight months. I, uh, so <laughs> here's another thing. I remember coming up the ramp, and as we were getting the top of the ramp, thinking I was doing the math in my head. 
four months rehab. Like, and oh. I was trying to think, can I be back for Mania? Can I, no, can I be back for, like, that was my whole. For Mania, right. Yeah, yeah. my whole mentality of, like, could I, because it was, like, May that I did it. But I was thinking, like, man, could I, I don't think SummerSlam's an option, but I know I could probably come back for later. I didn't know how bad it was, and I didn't know Andrews was going to come to me and go, like, yeah, you might never wrestle again. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Um, I didn't know all that at the time. So in my mind, I was just thinking, okay, I tore my quad. They reattach it. I know there's a time frame to that. So they reattach <laughs> that thing and they do the business. So I'm just trying to do the math. Um, when I got there, that's why I never left Birmingham. You just stayed there the whole time. I sta- I lived in the embassy suites for nine months. Wow. Yeah. Just I, to I, rehab every day. Andrews came, you know, told me that and then I did the surgery and stuff. And he said, here's the thing. I don't know anybody's ever come back from this, from from the level that you did it. I've mm-hmm. never seen a compact, a, a contact sport athlete come back from this. So if you do, it's going to be awesome. Mm-hmm. It's going to be easy. I put it back together. It's back together as good as it can go. But now it's on your rehab. And I said, wow, so what does that mean? And he said, if I were you, I'd stay with the best. So I was like, that's me. Yeah. <laughs> done, right? Because Kevin Wilk was there and he's the best mm. guy in the world. So I was like, all right, so done. So I called the office and was like, I need to stay down here. Like they like they were saying I might never wrestle again. So I got, I got to stay here to rehab. And they were like, done. Mm-hmm. Stay where you're at. I lived in the embassy suites for nine months. I stayed there until, you know, towards the end when I got better, they were, I was yeah, flying and doing and forth, things yeah. here and there and stuff. But I stayed there till the very end. I remember packing my bags. The vignettes had been playing of my return. I remember packing my bags in the embassy suite and saying, like, all right, here we go. You know? <laughs> yeah. You know, you came back from that, and you had a few other injuries. But, I mean, over the, the – I mean, you had so many classic matches. And, I mean, not just to, you know, to float your boat, but one of the greatest of all time. Thank Psychology-wise, I mean, putting together matches. Did you – did you did you feel like you know when you get to the mid two thousands and everyone kind of left? Steve's gone, Rock is gone. I mean, I'm still there, but Sean's gone. Mm-hmm. It's just basically you and a couple other guys. It was it was on your shoulders, man. It, 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 yeah, and it started to get like when that herd started to thin out. Mm-hmm. Rock leaves. Um, Sean is gone. Sean Steve is Austin gone. Goes. You you've got we we have a pretty solid deck mm-hmm. right of guys, but like I felt like for. Not, not to say it's me. Yeah. Me, you, like the guys that we take. Yeah. Like that was that little rung of guys that now we had left. And it was like, I never felt like, oh boy, this is on me now. I felt like, no, this is like on us. And like, but by that point, I'd realized like, well, there's some players here that are really, really good. Yeah. And here's our upper echelon. But yet we've lost that very upper Right, we've lost the twelve guys that we were talking about. We're down to three or four. Yeah, and, and you yeah. know, and then we went through the run where we started to run through some of the guys that didn't necessarily pan out, or mm-hmm. that were here for a bit and left for a bit, and um, or or here and and didn't really work out the best way possible. But you know, there, there's a, a time frame in there where testament to how good the crew was that was here. I guess to say it this way, how when you get to the early 2000s, how deep of talent that roster became, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that you had guys in the lower, upper, and middle of the card that were main event players. Just in I, I sound stupid. On any given night in any arena around the world. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But truthfully, yeah, right? And then as those other guys started to leave, they were carrying that, that rung mm-hmm. and, that, and that slot. And, um, you know, and, and still... 
wasn't like business nosedived no. or anything because well, then we had know? the Cena Orton Batista guys that came through the Absolutely. OVW system you know but let's let's talk about this I mean you, you, it's so funny. I always say like how busy you are, and, and kind of laugh at that you got into wrestling so you didn't have to have a real job, and now you have a real job. Somehow, yeah, <laughs> Vince finagled me into doing it. I don't. So I mean, like, how did you? I mean, you, for lack of a better word, I mean, you're going to be the the guy that that carries this company f- through the next you know thirty, forty years or whatever it may be. Organically, obviously, m- married Stephanie. Yeah. But how did that come into where Vince finally said, "Hey, man, so you're it's, the next king." It's, it's funny for me that. Before I ever met Steph, I had I can look back on it and say I had that wor- working relationship with Vince. Like yeah. when Russo left here, the day that Russo left, walked out, I went to Vince and I was like, "Wow, dude!" It was so, a big blow to all of us except for Vince. Yeah, and <laughs> and, and like so, there were, had been a period of time leading up to that where on uh, certain days of the week, I don't remember, it was like Tuesdays I think or something, mm-hmm. where Vince would have these phone meetings and would uh, had asked Sean and I to call into them. Um, and it would be Vince and Russo and me and Sean on the phone. And uh, we would all just throw around ideas. And then they'd write the show. Sean and I would forget about it. They'd write the show, and they might call or something like that. Okay, but, yeah, yeah. but we were creatively working together. When when Russo left, now Sean had kind of stepped out, and Russo leaves. And um, I remember going to uh, Vince the day it happened and saying, I can only imagine, because it wasn't a team, mm-hmm. right? I can only imagine... That he left, this isn't easy without people to bounce stuff off of. Mm-hmm. My phone's always on. Mm-hmm. Not saying I'm going to help. You know, we've talked on the phone and done creative stuff before, but if you need it, my phone's always on. And I remember Vince like taking a moment and being like, "It's really cool. Mm. Thank you. I might take you up on that." And I left. I got. I went home. Like we were off for a couple of days, and I went home. And I home one day. I got home from the gym, and I want my phone rang. And I, hey, pal. <laughs> Uh, and he beat around the bush for a minute. And he was like, "Remember the other day you said uh, if if, uh, if I need to bounce some stuff, I, if you had a minute?" I'm like, "Yeah, you got a minute?" I'm like, "Absolutely." Hmm. And that started a conversation with us creatively. And then he said, uh, "Hey, come to the production meeting this week and stuff." And I started doing that. You know, it got massive heat. <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> but I would always say to anybody, I would Vince would say, "Listen." He got some heat with some of the guys. I'm hearing rumblings of it of the meeting, and I said, "If you want me to come, I'll come." And you know what, Vince? If you want to tell those other guys, if they want to get up at 10 a.m. after yeah. we drove five hours, th- th- I love it. They mm-hmm. sit with me. I don't care. I'm, I'm not. You didn't pay yeah. me to do this. Yeah. So if you want me to come because it's helpful to you, I'll come. Right. And that just started a creative relationship. That was long before I ever met Steph. So we already had that creative relationship going on, and then. As time went on, it just continued. Uh, I don't know, however many years ago it was, he kept joking with me constantly. When are you going to stop rolling around the ring, get a real job, do some real work, you know? And he was just ten tees in the water. <laughs> yeah. And uh, he would ask me all kinds of stuff about it, and then he would say, hey, uh, you get home Tuesday night. Hey, Wednesday, I got this thing going on in the office. You come in and just sit on that? I'd love to get your opinion on on it, some executives are going to be pitching some stuff. So you to hear it, I'd go in, do sit in that, right, and just, just little bits and pieces. And then he knew he had a, he, he had his plan. I, yeah. When I I tore my bicep, mm-hmm. I had to take three months off. And he uh, right after I did, like I literally made these movies. I made two movies back to back for the company, which mm-hmm. I wasn't supposed to do. I was supposed to make one, mm-hmm. and Batista I was supposed to do the other one. And Dave decided he wanted to do it. He left. <laughs> 
And so, like, Vince. <laughs> Vince like, that. Yeah, it was like, he, he, came, a, you get stuck he came over to my house and he's like, hey, uh, you got a second? I can stop by the house. And I'm like, yeah, that's not good, right? So he comes <laughs> over and he's like, I need you to leave tomorrow to go do this movie for Dave. And I'm like, come on, I haven't even read the script, right? <laughs> I'm like, is it any good? And he's like, I don't know, I haven't read it. <laughs> right? so How hard like, can it be? Yeah, just go do it. It'll be great. Tell, <laughs> tell the director what you want to do. <laughs> so I go, I make these two movies back to back while I'm there. I end up. I was having all these problems. I thought where my neck ends up being my bicep. I tear my bicep, so now I got to take like three months and not wrestle. Mm-hmm. And even like the day I do it, I go have surgery, and he like calls me. He's like, uh, "Hey, I had this idea. Why don't you come back and shadow me at the office for the three months that you're off? You come in every day and you just do everything I do. You shadow me every day and all this stuff. And like, so that's what I do, right? And I go in there and I spend the three was all like setting me yeah, up. And yeah, then yeah. it was, you know, why don't you uh, start working? You know, like I'll take you off the road on Fridays, but you'll work in the office on Fridays and then you'll go on the road on Saturday. Or, you know, why don't you come in? You got two days off. Just come in on Thursday, right? And there was little <laughs> things. And then even when I, I'll take you off the live events. Come in on Thursdays and Fridays, but take Wednesdays off because you need time to rest after TVs and all that stuff. And it was, it was coming a half a day on Wednesdays, and then, <laughs> right? It's just like he just when it, sooner or later, I'm like, wait a minute, I got an office and like yeah. all this. Like, what am I doing? <laughs> Wear the suit when you come yeah, to work yeah, next yeah. time. What am I doing? And he's like, hey, I need you to take over this. Like, what? Me? Yeah. Like, I don't, you know, I'm yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, just that's how, yeah, how we get you there. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed. Also, 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This, This is Talk is Jericho. Continuing on with Triple H here on Talk is Jericho. Now, Trip, we're talking about your other job for the WWE in the executive offices. You've already started to implement a lot of really cool things and ideas. You know, the Performance Center. I mean, that's pretty much so, your ideas. So I was sitting in a meeting one day. Executives, again, one of those ones where he asked me, come in, all the executives are going to give these their, their thoughts, like a, a five-year plan on, uh-huh. um, on the company and, and where they're going to go with stuff, right? And they get to the end and... Everybody's giving their opinions and all the stuff. And Vince goes to me and I and he's, "What did you think?" And I said, "You know, from a business standpoint, I look at this. I'm just blown away by all the stuff that you guys do and how you implement them and how big this company is. And you know, because at that point, I was still even still learning all that stuff about like Jesus, so much to learn. Places like unbelievable. And I said, but for all these pitches and all this stuff and all this money being spent, and all these great plans and all this marketing stuff and all that stuff, and I haven't heard one thing that says where we're getting new talent from." Mm. Like, whoa, like, what's the future? Because the indies are drying up, dude, and I don't see it anyplace else. And uh, he was like, this is a good point. He kind of brushed it over, and then later he was like, talk to me some more about that, right? So we started talking, I said, I just don't, like, what are we doing? Like, where are we getting that from? Like, like we're spending all this money, but, like, we're not, you know, the NFL's got college, and they've Mm -hmm, got all this, mm -hmm. like, it's a feeder system, man. And where's our feeder system? It was the world, but you shut them all down. That's right. And there was OVW for a while, but then that died. Well, so we had, like, these little tiny kind of things. And, you know, we had Terry, uh, Dory Funk at one point Mm -hmm. kind of training a few guys that we selected here and there, right? And it was just, like, little kind of haphazard things. And then 
they had switched over to doing Tampa, and it seemed cool. But I had been down and seen Tampa, and it was small, and it was you know it was yeah, kind of like even the TV show was like a two camera shoot, and it was just like it was indies, yeah, and it was just a, it was it was anybody else's yeah. wrestling school. And then uh, when I came in full time, one of the so Vince was like, you know, take a few months, dig into a lot of different stuff, and see what you want to take on. The first thing I came to him and said I want to take on is I would like to to start something like called talent development where we where we put more concentrated effort into figuring out where we want to go and then you know once I started doing that I started figuring out a plan and then I could see that there was a lot of times where we had an opportunity to maybe get a guy who played in the NFL mm-hmm. or who was a collegiate wrestler or something but like yeah, here, you want to try this wrestling thing out? We're not going to pay you hardly any money, and we have this crappy place that you can go work out <laughs> yeah. at, and it's in the middle of nowhere, and uh, maybe you'll make it, maybe you won't. Like, yeah. It's really not that intriguing, and I felt like we needed, you need a carrot. Mm-hmm. You know, and, you, and, and at the same point in time, like we talked about WCW, you know, there's a point in time where I went back in my head and I thought, what are, if, if I was 20 years old today and I wanted to get here, everything I know today, what would I want to have? to succeed and then I went back and I tried to put it all in one place right mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. and then put it in a place that looked awesome that was in a great location that was in a way that you could do it economically and would make it so that if you were a kid that played because the the, the thought that we're going to get all these indie guys they're just not out there yeah so you're going to have to find what they did in the old days is find two big bouncers at the club and make them the road warriors. <laughs> That's right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and uh, if I want to get these guys from a D1 college that played in the NFL for a cup of coffee, you know, average length of time in the NFL is three and a half years. Yes. They're, they're, they let go of 400 guys a year, right? In that group somewhere are, are prospects for what we do. And if, if you're, if you're going to get them, they've trained that way their whole life. They don't care if they're making big money. They don't care if the opportunities there. I go like, hey, you can go to Orlando. It's nice. It's sunny. It's a great location. It's an easy in and out access point in this awesome facility that rivals what you had in college and what you maybe had in the NFL. You have coaches. You have all these things. They go like, I'll do that. You know what I mean? Because, like, yeah, I'm 21, but, like, really when you're that age, it's not about the money. It's like, yeah, I want this badass place to train in, and I'm going to try to do this. And if it's fun and it works out, and then – so you just kind of just kind of creating that system, you know. And and then trying to put all – when we designed it, when when I pitched the idea to Vince about creating a bigger, better location and why, he was, like, fully into the idea. And then he said, well, what would you do? So I said, let me think about it for a while. I went kind of what would I put in there? And then how much will that all cost? Yeah, right. And, you know, that's one thing I had to learn on, on my feet was, so then I had to go put, like, and have people help me. It's like I had to go put my ideas down, figure out how, how they were going to all come to be, how much they cost, then put, like, a business proposal together and get, go to them and say, here's the performance center, or what, well, I don't have a name for it yet, but yeah. here's, here's what I want to do and here's why I want to do all these things. Here's what they cost and here's how much money I'm going to need to do it. And I went through all of it, and then he was like, I didn't forget, it was like very nervous for me because I wasn't like real skilled at doing that. And he <laughs> yeah. like went through all this stuff, and then he was like, Congratulations, let me know when it's going to open. And I was like, And it's up awesome. to you, man. You know, yeah. man. But now I got to go do it. Yeah. Right? So to, and try to do it for budget. And, you know, it, it was learning under fire business and, um, and very cool. But I'm, I'm very proud of the place from a, um, you know, 
how guys can learn the business. And then I said the jazz for me now, man, as much as it was blowing the roof off the place then, somebody asked last night of the panel, like, what do I prefer to do? To be honest, now when I have to work, it's kind of like the... Uh, when you have to wrestle yeah as much as I love <laughs> yeah, the, sure. the time I get in the ring I'm like the rest of it is like on a Monday night when I get done doing everything else and it, at a quarter to eight I go like oh my god I'm in seg one holy cow <laughs> yeah. anybody got a promo or like an idea <laughs> what, I, what they want me to say and, and it's it's a really almost like a burden um, in some way and then but the, the man that juice for me now is watching the shield or like watching Bray Wyatt going back into that system when he got pushed back down as Husky Harris mm-hmm. and then and and I'm I I will preface this with I am in no way taking any credit for this and I've told him this and I've said it to everybody a million times nobody made Bray Wyatt but him mm-hmm. he created it designed it started it was it was all his character like yeah him he deserves all the credit in the world. Some people helped along the way or helped set tables and things like that, but, mm-hmm. man, it's him. So I'm not trying to, try to take any credit for it at all. But to, to help cultivate that out of his mind, see it start from a video that I got of, like, what do you think of this? And be like, dude, that's kind of cool. <laughs> yeah. like, keep going down that road and then watch it evolve and see it get there and then put it together and put these guys with him. Holy cow. And then seeing it go and then... You know, he's going to get the opportunity. Like, we just shot these rough shot vignettes, and then we showed them to Vince, like, to say, like, what do you think about this? And he was like, putting that one on the air tonight. All right. You know? Just and, the vignettes of him, like, his family in the backyard, backwoods. Yeah, yeah. right. And we're, that one's going on the air tonight. Like, holy cow, here we go. Now yeah. we got to figure out what that entrance is. Because, hey, he's just walking down the mm-hmm. ramp, right? So now we come up with this idea of the lantern. Like, to see all that stuff go to where it is, and, and now sit here today at SummerSlam yeah, yeah, yeah. and watch him go to the ring with you. Or, yeah. You know, like, oh, man, to me, that's just, it's 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 living vicariously through them, but it's almost as cool as it was yeah, doing it's, it it's yourself. A world it's, now. Just, it's a different thing, but man, it's so cool. And to see it come out of, like, the, the opportunity that they had and the, and the things that they had out of that environment, the performance mm-hmm. center and full sale and NXT and what that meant to them because the, the the other key to the performance center is full sale university and NXT because if you go there, it's just a shrunk down version of Raw and SmackDown. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a, a multi like six camera shoot. It's the ramp is the same the same angle it's a little smaller distance wise but it's the same the hard cameras on the other side but there's the hard cameras there's a jib there's ground held handheld cameras Mm -hmm. everything is the same they have to do their promos backstage they have to do vignettes they have to everything is exactly the same it's just a smaller version and that the one of the best compliments i ever got was summer ray after she came out of there we were in London. She yeah. started at WrestleMania. We were in London, and uh, I said, "How you doing? Like, are you freaking out yet? Like, are you have you got over the freakout point?" She goes, "Funny you should ask. I had like an epiphany moment." <laughs> she said, "I was I had been so nervous and so worked up, almost like ready to throw up every time I'm ready to go out there." And she said, "I was standing on the ramp today while they were building the stuff." And she said, "I'm watching them set things up," and I'm like, "It's the exact same setup as full set." <laughs> and she said, "Like I, I looked at it and was like, that's the same, just." the building's bigger yeah. and she said it was almost like this calming thing like I know how to do that yeah you know and that's the point right? yeah yeah well I mean it's it's exciting because the, the, the roster I mean it's in good shape you know we talked about that before yeah. like, there's a lot of good guys here a lot of good guys down there um, and then you know and then and then for me to have guys like you come down there yeah or, or you know Cena or whoever come down there 
and and be down there and work with those guys a little bit or get in the ring with them or talk to them or come and do the show and watch their matches and go try this, try that. Like that to them. Yes. Yeah, it's invaluable. Know, it's, oh, yeah, it's, man. It's unbelievable the, the opportunity they have. I say it to them all the time. If we're, if, to those guys down there in the performance center, I said, we expect a lot of you and we're tough on you because I am giving you more than anybody that's in the true. history of this business. Everybody that's come before you has had less given to them than you. Mm-hmm. So if you don't succeed, it's on you. We expect more because we're giving you more. Mm. You know, That's a great point, yeah. Will Vince ever retire? No. Yeah. No. You know what? It's almost like the when he's tired, he wants to go to the gym. He wants it's almost like tired is the enemy and it makes him want to <laughs> yeah. do more. Yeah. He works more now, he works longer hours, he sleeps less. You know, I'm telling you, Ed, he'll leave the office at nighttime and there's nobody there, but he's still in his office working. And then he goes downstairs. They'll text me at, you know, one in the morning. And, and I'm not that I'm, I'm just finishing training too, but he's, <laughs> he's texting me at my house. He's finishing training. And then, you know, he doesn't sleep a lot. He's, it's, it is what he is. Mm-hmm. And, Say it all the time, like people are like, "Oh, he's being groomed to take over." No, no, it's only if he dies. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> that is the it. day he dies, you're taking over. The, the day he dies, apparently, I take over unless I'm the one that killed him and I go to jail. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be the next king, right? So you said you're like Prince Charles. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, how was it cutting your hair? You know, it's funny. Vince said to me for years, he'd always joke about hair versus hair matches, and it just got to me one day like I was I was you know every day you're putting the stuff up and doing all the things you know right ponytail yeah, yeah. and as much as I love the hair because it created movement in the ring yeah. and all the stuff and you know you and I are marked yeah. for the heavy metal you're a rock gold, guy yeah right yeah <laughs> man I, I've been thinking about it for a while like how much time would I save every day <laughs> yeah putting this I never wear it down anymore because I'm never in the ring I'm never yeah. on the road I'm, 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 I'm in the office every day I can't be walking around there in my suit and tie with my hair all down and you know what I mean <laughs> yeah, like, I look right, like Michael yeah. Hayes <laughs> <laughs> With your gimmick bag around yeah, your waist. Yeah, my fanny pack. And the, the doop, doop, doop. So, uh, you know, and finally I just bit the bullet and went and got it done. It was awesome, right? And now yeah. it's almost it's almost like a, like an obsession now. Like I, I can't get it short enough. Yeah, yeah. Right? But uh, so when I cut it, I had him cut the ponytail off, like oh. band it and cut the ponytail off, and I had it put in a frame. <laughs> With a thing on the bottom that said, you always wanted to get it, here you go. Uh, I gave it to Vince as a nice. It's sitting in his office on the wall with my <laughs> ponytail. <laughs> That's great. Uh, favorite band of all time? Probably Metallica. Metallica, if yeah. I had a, if I had to pick one, you know, obviously everybody thinks I'll say Motorhead on that. And obviously huge. Yeah. Um, for me, for my character, that that was the mm-hmm. thing. When, when they were trying to create my new song back years ago, I kept saying, can it sound more like Motorhead? I wanted that aggressive sound. And then they said, can we just get Motorhead to do it? <laughs> yeah. And I was like, that'd be awesome. Like, Even I better. didn't know that was an option. <laughs> um, but yeah, Metallica, probably for me, it's always my, my go go back to music. You know, they're just... Uh, and you got to go to the, the tuning room that one time where they practiced. Yeah, Remember that was really cool. That. Yeah, yeah. And we just happened to come backstage and Hetfield invited us to... to um, to come backstage while they were they were playing that on that tour they were playing a lot of songs they had played for yes. a long time so they were going in the it was amazing to a sit little there. room about this size a little dressing room yeah, right? yeah. And sit there and watch them play and be like that's not how it goes you know what I mean and then, like, yeah. they'd have to listen to them but oh yeah and, like songs that you think like you've listened to a million times they might not have listened to since that's they right it. yeah it's it's uh, crazy to think of and then, you know another cool thing is they um, 
you know, they dig what we do, I think, and mm-hmm. in some ways, and then in working with us. So when I used um, For Whom the Bell Tolls at WrestleMania mm, right, that yeah, one yeah, year, yeah. and so I'd had that mask, and I had... Um, that Tom Savini made. That Tom Savini yeah. made, right? And and obviously, it's a big deal, very expensive. So I had a second one made, and I uh, I brought it to... We went to the Big Four concert mm-hmm. in uh, in New York, and I, I brought it uh, and gave to Hetfield as a gift. Oh, cool. Which he... Was you know was like, oh my god that's so cool and then um, kind of stayed in touch one of the with their road guys and he sent me a photo of it and it's in their rehearsal room at whatever they is a Q Prime yeah Q Prime they have their yeah. uh, they have like a oh in the the Presidio San, in San Francisco oh, is that yeah, where it is? yeah okay whatever but I guess there's like a, they have like a big rehearsal room there. yes they have all these gimmicks and everything on the wall and the guy sent me a photo of it in a case oh that's cool on the thing and he said <laughs> he goes you don't know how many celebrities have come in here to talk to these guys in their rehearsal room and put that on it was just cool to me just like that they have something of mine yeah they, yeah, yeah, yeah. they have out is like yeah. mind boggling to me you know? we, uh, we did that tour with them last year in Australia which had to be unbelievable oh dude I, I, it was so cool it's you the know? coolest thing for you I mean, <laughs> completely like, music wise now you're like hanging with those guys so I was like you want to yeah. go to a show tonight I'm like yeah and we go to this stupid little punk club with this crappy little band but I'm hanging with Lars yeah. and we got a gig tomorrow in Perth yeah. Australia yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. it was pretty cool man but, me and Lars yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> pretty cool to have you here in Perth, Australia. You know, <laughs> you know what's funny too. Like because of doing the music and stuff, I got tight with Lemmy, and they talked yeah. to him fairly regularly, and got very tight with Lemmy, which was mind-boggling to me. And then the first time I met Metallica, uh, very first time I met Hetfield when we went to the in backstage with them in the in the yeah. practice room. That's all he wanted to ask me about was Lem. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Like they they all kept bringing up Lem to me and talking about Lem, and I was like, it's so funny to me. Everybody is a mark for something. Yes. Right? That's right. Those guys are marked for Lem. Like, I watched Slash come out in L.A. one time in this building. And uh, Lem was, you know, he'd come see me work. And he'd just go to the ring and he'd watch my match and then go sit in the limo and wait for me to come talk (laughs) to him after. And I went out to talk to him after. And and Slash comes out. And Slash wanted to know if Lem would take a picture with his son. And, like, Slash was like a little kid talking to Lemmy, like, "Uh, sorry to bother you, Lem. Is anyway, and he was like, seem all nervous, and I'm thinking like, holy crap, like this is it's just like surreal to me yeah. that he's starstruck yeah. by Lem, and like it's just funny. Everybody's a monster. No matter how old we get, you're still fan. Like when yeah, Ozzy showed up here, it was like, oh my god, Ozzy's yeah. here. It's another you thing know? I've done. I've gotten to do. You know, this job will let you do the coolest things mm-hmm. in the world. One of my one of my treasured things I have is at home. I have a picture, and it's me flexing with both titles on because I had done a. For Ozfest, for Ozfest, and Ozzy's biting my bicep. And to me, it's just the coolest picture, one of the coolest pictures I have. Because I've like you know, my whole life is idolized. That's right, Ozzy. Yeah, yeah. His music meant so much from Sabbath to him, Mm -hmm. and just and then you get to work with them. Yeah, Uh, hard to choose just one, but give me your favorite match or a couple of your favorite matches that stand out to you. Hard to choose one, you know. There's a ton of them that mean a lot to me, you know. Obviously, like the SummerSlam one when Sean came back, and oh, that's great! It yeah. meant because it meant so much to him to be able to come back and to do it and not know what he had and then mm-hmm. have it turn out so good. There's one that always sticks out to me though because it was like a turning point for me. Is I had a um, street fight at um, Rumble in 2000 with Mick Foley that was one of those ones where like the Rumble was big that year, mm-hmm. but I had won the title and. I wasn't a top, top guy mm-hmm. yet, but I had the title, and I was trying to be the top guy, and they were trying to make me the top guy, and Mick wasn't necessarily, he'd done the stuff with Taker, but he was, 
you know, he was trying to do yeah. the same thing. And we had an opportunity. To be, we were the main event at the Rumble outside of the actual Rumble match. And it was like one of those uh, matches where I remember getting done the match, thinking it was great, and then kind of like out of the weeks coming out of that feeling like everybody's attitude towards me changed. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's like one of it those... It put you to the next level. Yeah, it's like a it turning did. point match to me. And, you know, and 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 Mick has said the same to me. Like, he felt that way too. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of thanks to him and, and doing it with me. And, and, you know, that's another thing. It's like we all grew so much together. Like, I had great rivalries with Mick, and mm-hmm. we both grew mm-hmm. into something more than that. Same with me and Rock. And, like, it's just... So many things that you look back on, and then there's the ones you forget about, even. And you look back and go, like, oh, I forgot. Yeah, that so was awesome. the network, you forget all the stuff that's on there. People yeah. remind you, remember when you did this, this, and this? You're like, no. Yeah, yeah. You know? and, and, then, and then, you know, to come out of ones where, like, last year, you know, to work with Daniel and, and mm-hmm. that had to be a part of that moment for him, and it was really cool. It's just a lot of stuff, yeah. that, you know, are, are cool matches. It's hard to put your finger on it. It is. Just, man, I, I, I can't say how, you know, everybody. This will kill my image off somewhat. But like I can't say how lucky I was for all the guys that I had to work with. Mm. You know, it's a great point, right? You, you, I, I look at my career and I go like, wow, I got here and I had Brett and Razor and Kid and Sean and all these guys that I worked little programs with, whether you know on the road, mm-hmm. not necessarily mm-hmm. on right, TV. Right. And then it transitioned, and then I got to a different thing. And then, you know, I was surrounded by all these guys in DX. And then but then once you get past that and, and start to get into the other stuff, it's like you and mm. Austin and Rock. And, like, when you start to put together the guys that we all had to work with, it's like, like wow, like, you know, it just... I could have sucked him done that. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, you start to think, like, geez, it was, that, and that's was my point earlier about how lucky we all were. He's like, you don't realize it at the time. Like, yeah. it's just like doing it. But when you look back, you go, it's like a who's who of awesomeness in the business, right? And we Hall all, of Fame cavalcade. All the way around. Have all the guys, yeah, yeah. All the way around. And, and um, so, man, it's just, I look back on that, and I'm so thankful that I had all those guys around. Mm-hmm. Maybe didn't think about it that way at the time, or you yeah. know. But like now, I look back, I can go like, man, just so lucky, such in the right place, right time for all of it. Yeah, you know, it's just awesome, dude. Thank you so much, man. This has been no, great. Thank you. Good I feel, to sit I feel down like, and chat. Yeah, it is funny because uh, you know we don't really get a chance to talk no. that much, and and uh, you're always doing business and yeah. stuff, and I feel like we could talk for. A I day, don't, don't. That's why I love know. doing this because I just get a chance to talk to my friends. Yeah. How often do you get a chance to talk for yeah. an hour, an hour and a half? Yeah, you know, yeah, it's, you it's, know. it's cool, it's awesome. man. So, thank you very much. Thank you, brother. Thank Appreciate you. it, man. Appreciate it. Oh, all of you. Come over here. Big group hug. Group hug. Ooh. <laughs> do you mind if I kiss the monkey? Ooh, hairball. Thanks to Triple H for being here this week. The biggest guest in talk is Jericho history. And what a coup it was to get him. And thank you for picking up the new Fozzie album, Do You Want to Start a War? What a bargain if you don't have it. Go pick it up now and do it through the Amazon link. It totally helps out my show. Really easy to find. Just go to podcastone.com. Click on the Keep Our Podcast free banner at the top of the page. Then click on Talk is Jericho. You'll see all three of my Amazon links in the US, the UK, and in Canada too. eh? You can also grab the Fozzie record while you're there. Amazon's got it for just $5.99, like I say, limited time offer. Every time you shop at Amazon through my links, Amazon kicks back a little cash to the show so we can keep doing this for you for free for twice a week. No extra fees or hidden charges. You're just getting your shopping done and you're helping me out in the process. We will see you this Monday at Raw in Baltimore, Jericho versus Wyatt cage match. Then on Tuesday, I will be in Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania, Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania for SmackDown. 
Don't forget, too, Fozzie goes on tour September 17th with Theory of a Dead Man. Headlining gigs, Fozzie headlining on September 18th in Abilene at the Lucky Mule. September 25th, Beckley, West Virginia and Munchies. September 28th, Parkersburg, West Virginia at the Sixpence. October 1st in Fort Wayne at Pierre's. And October 5th, return of Fozzie to New York City at the Gramercy Theater. We want to sell all those headlining gigs out. If you're in the area, go check for tickets, FozzieRock.com. You can also get VIP packages as well. Got another two amazing group of guests next week so excited uh, about all the stuff that's happening in talk is jericho all the stuff that's happening in the world of y2j and all of us that are together on this ride thank you so much stay hard stay hungry peace love and hugs in the meantime and in between time that's it another edition of talk is jericho we'll see you next wednesday with a yeah 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 nanu sayonara shalom Das bedeutet, ciao, ping long salvi. All of us here on this wonderful little planet of sand. Catch you later. You can download new episodes of Talk is Jericho every Wednesday and Friday at podcast1.com.